0: Welcome to the St. Richard's Podcast Sermon of the Week. This week's message is given by the Reverend Kelly Jennings. For more information, please visit us at strichards.org. Our scripture passages today are so rich. Amos and the plumb line, Psalm 82 where God puts all other gods in their places. And of course, Perhaps Jesus' most famous parable, the Good Samaritan. We are also introduced with its astounding opening, and quite a mouthful, Jeff did a great job reading it, the opening to the letter of Paul to the Colossians, and we're going to be hearing from this letter all the rest of this month, all the rest of July. Colossians is one of the letters that we have in the Bible that Paul wrote from prison. It's called one of the prison letters. He wrote this one around 60 A.D. while in prison, probably in Ephesus, in modern-day Turkey. Ephesus is on the coast. Why is he in prison? Well, probably because he was doing what he was always doing, proclaiming a different king to the one that authorities wanted him to proclaim, King Jesus. A few weeks ago in VBS, or church summer camp here, we spent all week hearing the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis. And much of the time, Joseph is in prison. Yet we celebrated with Joseph that what man intends for bad, God plans it all for good. Paul absolutely believes this, that God is always at work through whatever is intending evil, God will bring about good. Just good news this morning, right? Good to remember, no matter what comes our way. So Paul is absolutely undaunted in his ministry from behind bars. He is writing here to a small group of believers in Colossae, which is inland in Turkey, about 100 miles from Ephesus. Colossae, today, is still mainly unexcavated. There's a lot still unknown about this ancient town. But we know from Paul's letter that there was, in his day, a small Christian community there. Small. I looked out at the early service this morning, probably in about 20 or so people, and realized that's probably what the Christian community in Colossae consisted of. Maybe several families, probably not more than about 20 or so. Paul's writing to them. It was dangerous to follow Jesus. It is still, in many parts of our world, dangerous to follow Jesus. I'll get to that soon. Back then, every town like Colossae had local gods and goddesses. Earthquake, famine, or flood would come if the gods were not being worshipped properly, it was believed. If your family had chosen to worship Jesus, instead of the local gods, then you would not show up at the town procession for those gods, and you can bet that your neighbors would notice your absence. If a disaster did come, it was convenient to have a group of people to blame. 50 years after Paul, the famous theologian, Tertullian, wrote that when something goes wrong in town, The response is always, throw the Christians to the lions. They are the ones to blame. Paul is therefore fully aware of what's at stake for this family church in Colossae. And notice how he addresses them as royalty. They are God's holy people and the faithful family of the king in Colossae, Paul says, right at the top of his letter. And then the famous greeting Paul uses at the start of at least seven of the letters that we have in our Bible grace and peace to you from God our Father. Grace and peace. I love how Bishop Tom Wright puts it. He says, Grace is receiving from God what we have not deserved. Grace is receiving from God what we have not deserved. And peace is the settled state which results from having been grasped by that grace. Do you get that? So grace, receiving something we've not deserved, peace is that state of having been grasped by grace. Good news this morning. Paul goes on, I have heard of your faith in King Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. Well, how has he heard? You'll find his name in the middle of Paul's text today in verse 7. He is Epaphras, a Christian convert, and as Paul calls him, a faithful minister of the king. Everything this little church knows about Jesus is because Epaphras has taught them. And what Paul knows is based solely, what Paul knows about them is based solely on what Epaphras has told Paul. So Paul from Epaphras learns that this little church, new, fresh, eager, but endangered, needs encouragement. And so that's the reason behind this whole letter that we still have today from 2,000 years ago. And we can receive the same encouragement that they needed back then. All I wanted to share with you, if I've told you before, I get to hear it again, but I, I feel like I've shared with you about this gentleman I know called Father Nazir, a priest who is a modern-day Epaphras. He is someone who journeyed here to Texas from far away to meet with prayerful people in Texas and to represent his small Christian community who is still living at great risk to their lives. Father Nazir came here with his wife and daughter about eight years ago from Pakistan. Probably one of the most dangerous countries in which to be a Christian. Father Nazir was very used to, when he was in Pakistan, he was used to baptizing people in bathtubs at night with the curtains and shades and everything they could all closed to be undercover. When he and his family started to receive death threats, Father Nazir told me that he himself was perfectly willing to die at the altar for Jesus. But he did not want his wife or daughter to suffer or die. So with the help of bishops here in Texas, he was able to settle in the Houston area. And they have never forgotten their family of believers in Peshawar, Pakistan keeping connected online with a wider network of Christians who here now pray for them, meet with them online, do Bible studies online, sending money and other resources to this small community in Peshawar, Pakistan. Nazir and his family also actively share the gospel with immigrants from the Middle East in the Houston area. And his wife meets once a week with women back in her community who are starting up small businesses and tries to support them also in that way. They have all seen fruit grow out of a dire situation. We do not know how God might call us to represent others in the faith. We are vessels of his mercy and abundance. So may we keep our ears open for God's call. It may not be international, it may probably more likely be a local, Paul to represent those in need, to someone who can pray for and help to do something for those people. Paul says in verse 5, You have heard of this hope in the word of truth, the gospel. So what is that? The gospel for Paul, the good news. Well, Jesus is king. There is no other we can set our hope on. And there's another, another theme that Paul brings up right here. He says, the belief and allegiance to King Jesus is bearing fruit. Your belief and allegiance to the King is bearing fruit, he says, and growing in the whole world. Bearing fruit. I don't know how many of you here are gardeners, but I'm, I'm a beginner, and I planted some strawberries in the spring, and my strawberry plants, like most everything, of course, is, I'm amazed they're still green, but they've really struggled. <clears throat> I noticed that because of the heat early on in the summer, The strawberry plants, the mother plants, sent out, very early on, shoots. And along each shoot, there would be a tiny little strawberry plant that looks just like the mother plant. With hopes, then, that those little shoots, those little satellites, would then root down. Even if the mother plant dies, guess what? Those little baby plants might have a chance of surviving and then producing more nature's survival tactics i wonder if we can see the church in this illustration of the little strawberry satellites i think we can now paul can't go visit this little strawberry satellite plant in Colossae, but he can pray for them
1: and when paul prays
0: things happen if you can check out acts 16 we hear the famous account of Paul and Silas praying and singing and being released with heavenly divine help from prison. But God's plan here for Paul is to stay in prison and to pray, it would seem, for this new young church that can sink, that needs to sink roots down and be encouraged and what? Mm -hmm. Bear fruit. So, Paul says, I'm praying for you. I'm praying. Guess what? The whole rest of the passage you all have in your inserts for today, that is what Paul says he is praying for. So a brief look. He says first, "I pray that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will. What a great way to pray. Not for my will for someone to be done for somebody else, but for God's will, that they would know God's will in their life. And next he said he prays for what will help them know God's will, for spiritual wisdom and understanding. We get that wisdom from God's Word and interpreting it together. God's Word for them, for the people in Colossae, would have been found mainly in what we today call the Old Testament, but they may have had a few copies of letters from the Apostles, maybe from Peter. Certainly further communities being planted will begin to get a copy of a Gospel, and eventually the Bible today would come about. But back then, the word would have been something a little smaller and less substantial than what we have today. But Paul says it's not just about holy book learning. Notice he says, and think of the strawberries again here. What are we really hoping as gardeners? We're hoping for fruit, right? So he prays that they would bear fruit in every good work. So we've got praying for the knowledge of God's will. Praying for wisdom and understanding to to see that, to understand what God's will is. And then, with all of that, take it and what? Bear fruit, bear fruit. Something that's visible, something that's helpful, something that's joy-giving, life-giving. What does it mean to bear fruit in your own life? What does that mean? Think of your relationships, your interactions with people you like, your interactions with people you don't like, your decisions you have to make for you and those dependent on you. Shouldn't we pause before a significant decision, a comment, an email, most especially a text, pause and breathe before we send a text and ask for God's wisdom. What beautiful things might grow if we slow down And understand that our actions when done prayerfully can contribute to the fruit of the kingdom if the result of our work is healing if the result of our work is forgiveness if the result of our work is reconciliation if it's peacefulness if it's joy if it's life we can trust that that is fruit for the kingdom The final seven lines of our text today are worth memorizing. There's some summer homework for you. Paul prays that this little church would be made strong and be prepared to endure everything with patience, all the while joyfully giving thanks. Thanksgiving will continue to be a major theme in this letter. Yet these newly baptized Christians' lives are at risk. Yes, their lives are at risk. Yes. Paul knows that. They know that very, very well. So here is Paul's encouragement ongoing. It's full of encouragement. He says, God has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has rescued you from the power of darkness and transferred you into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Folks, if you can wake up and look at that passage, stick it on your fridge, before you face anything in the world that day, what encouragement that is. In other words, we're not alone, says Paul. We share in the life of all those who put their trust in the King, and we are rescued from the darkness. We are forgiven. Darkness we impose on ourselves, darkness the world imposes on us. He says, even death cannot take away that eternal relationship from baptism baptism onwards. Death even cannot take away the relationship we have with our king. Good news this morning. If you are a fan of the series Stranger Things, it might be easy to conjure up an image of the power of darkness. My guess is that this latest season has been so popular because it resonates with so many of us today who have seen what evil can do in the world. We have experienced or seen what shame can do within us and how fear can close us off and isolate us to the rest of the world. But Paul says to the Colossians, you have nothing to fear. And neither do we, saints, holy people, holy family of the King here at St. Richard's. Because we are those who, despite this present darkness, support each other in the battle. We are those who can remind each other of the hope that we have. We are those who can remind each other that this hope that we have can never be taken away. The hope that we have in the kingdom of the Son that lies unshaken because of the empty tomb, the empty tomb that testifies to new life, to his forgiveness, and to a share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. For service times or more information on St. Richard's, please visit strichards.org.